Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Before Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> it's Mucking Fun Day here, and we're going to cover everything that happened over the weekend, because a lot has, and things that are coming up in the future as well. I have some Euro news, we have some danger news, and let's go ahead and get into our headlines. Today on Before Coffee. Melanie to unveil plans to expand Italian influence in Africa. A passenger goes for a walk on the wing with full support of other passengers. Why the EU's plan to criminalize non-consensual sex is falling apart. And it's a changing of the guard in men's tennis. Pornographic deepfakes of Taylor Swift sparks calls for new AI legislation. A stories and more, which is National Bubble Wrap Day. January 29th, 2024 on Before Coffee. All right, our first news story is about Italy. That's right. Italy is making plans for Africa. I don't know why, but I guess we'll probably something to do with illegal migration. This is by Angela Giofrida in Rome on The Guardian. The Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Meloni is poised to announce her grand plan for Italy and Africa. She strives to position her country as the forefront of European cooperation on the African continent in return for curbing illegal immigration. The so-called Mattei Plan, named after Enrico Mattei, the founder of the oil company Eni, will be presented in Rome on Monday to, host a, to a host of leaders from Africa and Europe, including the European Commission President, Ursula von der Leyen. Maloney announced her Africa plan soon after a far-right government took office in October 2022, with the main goal of transforming Italy into an energy hub as Europe was wet, weaning itself off Russian gas. Although the details of the plan border scope have so far been scarce, a draft key approved in November envisions Italy taking what Maloney has described as non-predatory approach to helping African countries in areas including the education, health, exports, and infrastructure. A priority for Maloney is exchanging for helping African economies to prosper in stemming the flow of migrants from Africa, an election pledge she has so far failed to fulfill. Such is the importance of the initiative for Maloney that her office will be tasked with executing the plan. She also took the unusual step of hosting the summit in the Palazzo Madama, the seat of the Italian Senate, a move criticized by opposition parties who accused her of seizing the building. Milan uh, said that African continent had always been a strategic importance for Italy. Tunisia is closer to Sicily than Sicily is to Rome, he said. Adding the plan was also aimed at increasing clout in continent where countries, including Russia and Turkey, had already made significant inroads. Lucio Milan, the chief whip, said. Leaders from 23 African nations and bodies will attend the summit, including Mausa Faki, the president of the African Union Commission, to whom Maloney was duped into believing she was speaking in a prank call orchestrated by two Russian comedians in November. Okay, that's weird. What a weird specific thing to... Let's prank a world leader. It's gonna be hilarious. Francesco Galietti, the founder of Policy Sonar, a political consultancy in Rome said, Maloney has been trying to set up the summit for a long time. 
She is presenting a grand strategy and because of that, it's getting lots of attention. However, we will still don't know who sh will be involved, how, many, how much money will be pumped into it, and whether it's going to be a diplomacy or soft power or something more. So there is your short article on update or update on Italy's plans for Africa. We'll be waiting for this summit to see what actually gets talked about and what things are agreed upon, I suppose. And uh, yeah, so Italy and Africa trying to uh, become best friends. Hopefully nothing like World War II, like in Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to know what that movie's about. Okay, that was about France technically, but. On to your story. Right. You mean Italy. Okay, well, here's a story involving uh, air travel in the United States and what hell it could be. This is from AP, Mexico City. At first, it sounded like a typical case of bad behavior aboard airplanes. The Mexico City International Airport acknowledged in a statement Friday that a man had opened an emergency exit and walked out on a wing of a plane that was parked and waiting for takeoff on Thursday. The airport said the man had been turned over to police. But dozens of fellow passengers signed a written copy of a statement saying the airline made them wait for hours without ventilation or water while the flight was delayed. According to the photos of the statement posted online, fellow passengers said he acted to protect everyone with the support of everyone. The airport said in a statement that yesterday, passenger on the flight and to Guatemala opened an emergency door in a plane while it was stationary in a remote position, stood on the wing and then re-entered the cabin without affecting the aircraft or anyone else. In line with international security regulations, a person turned themselves over to the authorities. At least 77 passengers aboard this Aeromexico flight to Guatemala signed a statement handwritten on notebook paper, photos of which were posted on social media supporting the man's actions. The delay and lack of air created conditions that endangered the health of passengers. He saved their lives, according to the statement. The incident report filed with the airport authorities largely confirmed that version. Around 11.37 a.m., a Mexican airline reported the beginning of a disturbance due to a passenger discontent on flight AM-672, according to the report. The flight had been due to lift off at 8.45 a.m. Thursday, but because of a maintenance alert on the plane, the captain had returned to the gate for the required maintenance. That's actually a good idea, maintenance alert. They don't even tell you what's wrong with the plane. Yeah. They expect you're right in it, you know? <laughs> oh, sit here for four hours in this broken plane and then trust us, okay? After we pissed you off for four hours, yeah. So the passengers were unhappy. One of them opened the emergency door and stepped out in the wing, a report said. Okay, now you really got a broken plane. Now let us off, basically, is what he said. Authority, airport authorities did not identify the man, and they declined to comment on whether he remains in custody or faces charges. I wouldn't sue them if they arrested me. Flight and tracking sites confirmed the flight confirmed that flight AM672 to Guatemala City was delayed for four hours and 56 minutes. A video appeared, imagine, one minute sitting there like that. Yeah. It's hell. Four hours and 56 minutes? Five, five, that's a basically video five hours. Recorded Why? Who cares? Flight, yeah. showed that, I'm sorry? That's basically five hours. Like 56 minutes? Yeah. That's five hours. Yeah. Oh, 
That's 56 minutes they were delayed. That means they were sitting there even longer. Yeah. You got to sit there for like an hour when he takes up. The video apparently recorded recorded aboard the flight showed passengers fanning themselves and asking flight attendants for water. Aeromexico did not immediately respond to an email request for a comment. So there you are, passenger. If you have to sit there that long, you do, there's something you can do. I mean, you risk getting arrested and then being locked for federal crimes. But if you get all the passengers on your side, there's a chance, you know, you can just go. He saved our lives. You can just be a hero. Yeah. Yeah. Working class hero is something to be, as John Lennon said. Your story. <laughs> all right. For my next story, we're going to talk about more serious topics. That's right. The EU is trying to criminalize non-consensual sex, but they actually don't know how to define the word, so they don't know how to criminalize it. At least that's what this article by Merritt Gwynne Jones on your news is indicating. The first ever EU-wide legislation to protect women against violence tabled by the commission in 2022 aims to define the crime of rape as sex without consent with no need for victims to provide evidence of force, threats, or coercion, is based on the only yes means yes concept and follows recent legal overhauls in countries such as Spain and the Netherlands to close loopholes and better protect victims. But negotiations with EU capitals has been at a deadlock for months as 12 member states, among them France, Germany, the Netherlands, Poland, Hungary, and the Czech Republic, oppose the EU-wide definition. France and Germany have come under fire for holding the blocking majority. Backing from either country would be enough to secure the qualified majority of 15 member states representing 65% of the EU population needed to get the bill over the line. Swedish MEP Evan Inkir told Euronews she was very disappointed with the French President Emmanuel Macron and German Justice Minister Marco Buschmann for working to block the legislation with Viktor Orban, who is dismantling women's rights in Hungary. It's above and beyond my understanding how two liberal men can, hand in hand with an illiberal form of minority, form a minority, Inker told Euronews. An illiberal. That's an interesting way to say it. They're not liberal, they're illiberal. I expect them from, I expect this from Orban, but I don't expect this from Macron and Bushman. Maybe they, uh, done something, I don't know. But the reality tells us there are three men right now deciding the future of women and girls, she added. Inkir, who is European Parliament's lead negotiator on the file for the center-left Socialists and Democrats, claims German Chancellor Olaf Scholz's SPD party has backed the inclusion of rape based on the lack of consent, but that the, his liberal coalition partners are raising obstacles. With time running out before the European elections in June, women's rights campaigners fear the dispute could cause the entire legislation to fall. Derailing EU plans to clamp down on other forms of violence, including female genital mutilation, forced marriage, and cyber violence, such as non-consensual sharing of intimate images or revenge porn. Sources close to the negotiations speaking on conditions of anonymity, 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 I can't say the word, told Euronews that while Germany refused to back the definition on legal grounds, France's veto was political. But a spokesperson for the French government claimed their position was also legally motivated. They say that since criminal law is a competence of member states, with the exception of so-called EU crimes that have a cross-border dimension, crimes of rape must be prosecuted at a national level. The spokesperson added that under French law, the criteria for sexual assault to be considered rape are generous and flexible, and that the crime is punishable as much as 15 years imprisonment compared to just 8 in the EU directive. 
But the European women lobby has denounced the French and German veto as disgraceful and completely hypocritical, given that both progressive countries are parties to Istanbul Convention, which mandates absence of consent as the definition of rape. rape. So although the EU formally ratified the convention in June last year, it is yet to enter in force in five member states, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Lithuania, and Slovakia. Last Thursday, the Czech Senate failed to ratify the convention after seven hours of heated debate. The treaty has sown a bitter culture war in the country, with lawmakers from the ruling right-wing ODS party leading calls to strike it down and the country's justice manager denouncing its authors for questionable ideological terms. This is, this is so weird that this is a political thing to begin with. Around 5% of women in the EU have been raped after turning 15, the EU Fundamental Rights Agency estimates. The figure is likely to be much higher due to the gaping holes in data. In recent years, horrific crimes, including the 2016 gang rape of an 18-year-old in Spain known as La Manada, or the rape of the two 11- and 12-year-old girls by minors in Naples suburb last year had forced governments to consider legal reforms. But legal protection, access to justice, and victim support still vary widely among European countries, which is probably why they want to pass a law so that everyone's on the same page. Marta Asensio, an activist and survivor of rape by chemical submission, told Euronews that for years her partner used to make her unconscious with sedatives in order to assault her. Mars, when the estimated 22% of women in the EU had been sexually assaulted at the hands of their partner or ex-partner. Yeah, there's definitely even smaller support for those people because once you sign that marriage certificate, you're basically property to, to, these, to a lot of governments. It doesn't matter about our culture or what society believes. To the government reforms that currently are passed in a lot of countries, as soon as you get married, you now belong to your husband and it doesn't matter what happens to you anymore. You're an object in the law. But the crime she suffered, which she described as a brutal way of dominating, would not be punishable under current law in the EU member states. Martyr fears nation's reluctance to adopt progressive laws aimed at protecting women is a sign of deeply rooted patriarchal culture that is difficult to suppress. I could get in trouble, I think mm -hmm. is what a lot of these male politicians are thinking of, and I'm like, okay, just don't do crimes. I don't know, we'll tell you, dude. Oh, uh, some woman can just say I raped her. That's not exactly what they're trying to say with this law. But if you're really scared of that, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Yeah. Also, men yeah, get raped um, too. They're not, obviously not talking about it. This is obviously a very centered on women issue, but it happens to men as well. The MAP in Kerr told Urano she was hopefully hopeful member states would find political will to shift their positions at the last minute. They will have still a possibility to change from the wrong side of history to the right side of history, and sad for women and girls all across our union, in Kerr said. So. There you go. I guess if you're living the EU, put some pressure on your your presidents and your your ministers of politics, whatever. There, everyone has different people in power. Send them mails. Send them emails. Freaking go outside their house and tell them, "Hey, what the hell, man? Are you scared of protecting people from assault? You shouldn't be. Um, there are I'm not exactly people sure who they're protecting." Sorry? Who are they protecting with this? Well, who exactly. are they trying to protect with trying to define down deviance, right? As they well, call it. They're specifically saying our law our law that we already have passed is better than that one, so we're not supporting yours. And it's like if your law is already better, then supporting a lesser law is still no. good for everyone else. Right? Because you're forcing everyone right. else to also that's what they're saying, right? It's like it's hypocritical to say we don't need this law because we already have a law that's better. 
Okay, but what about other countries in the EU who don't even have laws for this? That's the whole point of the region-wide... They have laws against stealing, right? They have laws against stealing. Like, <laughs> you know if something's not yours to not take it and home with you isn't... I mean, <laughs> they can define that. Yeah. But that's the end of my story, so... I guess... I guess I guess they they don't like blurred lines, but that's what life is. There's a lot of things that are not necessarily defined for us all. Where does the sky begin and end, for instance? Yeah. Where does that start, right? When am I anyway. in France's air zone? I don't know. They they just made it up. Yeah. <laughs> I spent the last five minutes trying to get this guy's last name pronounced right, so I don't want to say it wrong. But this is tennis news, and we have a news tennis star. In the Australian Open, Yannick Sinner. That's how his name's pronounced. That's how, that's how it's spelled. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Yannick Sinner. Lined up a forehand, drilled it down the line, and dropped the court on, dropped to the court on his back, giving himself some mo- moments to process how he'd managed to come back from two sets down to win his first Grand Slam title. The 22-year-old Sinner... And he's not a sinner, unless he is. <laughs> then he is. I guess we're all are, right, according to the Christians. Uh, the 22-year-old sinner found a way to turn defense into attack in his first major final and to take an Australian Open title from Daniel Medvedev. 3-6, 3-6, 6-4, 6-4, on Sunday. You heard that right? He lost the first two sets and won the last three. I'd like to dance in the pressure storm, he said, of a seemingly serene approach to his most tense moments. I like it because that's where most of my time I bring out my best tennis. It was his third straight win over top five player in his quarterfinal victory over Aubrey Reblev in his semifinal upset that ended number one ranked Novak Djokovic's long domination of the tournament. Only Djokovic and Roger, Roger Federer have done this previously I've done that previously in a major, played on hard courts. So he's in great company. Sinner is the first Italian to win the Australian Open and the youngest winner in a men's final here since Djokovic won his first Grand Slam title in 2008. Carlos Alcaraz winning Wimbledon last year and Sinner winning this season opening major. A generational shift is arriving. I still have to process it because beating Novak in the semis and then Daniel in the final, they're tough players to beat. It's a great moment for me, Sinner said, and my team. He considers them a team. Australians a team. What a guy. But on the other but in the other way, I'm sorry, the Italians, you know Australian. It's a great moment for me and my team, but in the other way, we also know that we have to improve what we want to have, another chance to hold a big trophy again. He's talking in terms of we and an individual sport. Interesting. Sinner's success has lit a tennis fuse in Italy where his run on the ATF ATP final championship match and leading Roland Davis Cup title win in November captured the country's attention. The nighttime final in Australia made it a pre-launch viewing in Italy for 2021 U.S. Tem- tennis champion Medvedev. The loss was his fifth straight and six major. Was his fifth and six major final, not fifth straight. The third seeded Medvedev set a record with his fourth five-set match of the tournament and 
time on the court in a major open area, his 24 hours and 17 minutes surpassing Carlos Alcatraz's 2340 at the 2022 US Open. And don't forget, it's the middle of summer in Australia. 24 hours on the court during one week is going to be wearing you out. Yeah, for sure. He's also the person to lose two Grand Slam finals in five sets after taking a 2-0 lead. Medvedev lost back-to-back Australian Open finals to Djokovic in 21 and Rafael Nadal after holding a two-set lead in the following year. Sinner only dropped one set through six rounds, a third-set tiebreaker against a 10-time Australian champion Djokovic until he lost two straight in Medvedev. It wasn't until a break in the sixth game of the fifth set that he really had a full grip on his first Grand Slam title. Two of Medvedev's five-set matches, a second-round win over Emil Rosovari that finished at almost four in the morning, and a four-hour, 18-minute semifinal, semifinal win over number six, Alexander Zver- Zverev, had to come back from two sets down. Nobody had done that on the way to Australian Open final since Pete Samerson, 1995. So Medvedev was just worn out. Against Sinner, he started like a man who wanted to win points quickly. Standing closer to the baseline to receive serve and going back to the net more regularly than usual, he broke the third game and took the first set in 36 minutes. He had two more service breaks in the fourth and six games of the set, second set, but was broken himself at 5-1, trying to serve it out. He was unsuccessful in, this, in the next try. The third set went with serve until the 10th game when Medvedev was a point from leveling it at 5-5 until three forehand errors gave center the set and the momentum. He won the fourth set again with a service break in the 10th game, recovering immediately to win three points after missing a forehand so far out that it shocked the Rod Laver Arena crowd. And so the tournament equaled the Grand Slam Open Era record set in the 1983 U.S. Open with the 35, 35th match going to five sets. In the sixth game of the fifth set, Sinner had to triple break point against fatiguing Medvedev. He missed his first chance, but converted with his next, a forehand winner, 44-2 lead. From there, he didn't give Medvedev another chance. Medvedev had chased, had faced either Djokovic or Rafael Nadal in five of the previous major finals. He beat Djokovic to win the 21 U.S. Open, but lost all the others. The 27-year-old Russian has been saying through the tournament that he has more stamina than he used to. He's mentally stronger than in tough five-setters. He certainly showed incredible endurance, but came up short, just short, again. Medvedev won his first six career meetings with center, but has now lost four in a row, including three finals. I want to congratulate Yannick, who showed it again, you deserve it, Medvedev said. Probably that's not your last Grand Slam, but I hope I can try to get the next one if you play in the final. Medvedev also sent a message to his family and supporters. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it today, but I'm going to try to make it work next time for you. It always hurts to lose in the final, but probably being in the final is better than losing before. So, Yannick Center, and this is the second Grand Slam in a row that wasn't won by the big three. Djokovic, Federer, who's retired now, and Rafael Nadal, who I think is also retired. But they've been dominating men's tennis for this entire century. So Yeah. Back to you. It's not always great to see somebody else new and somebody else kind of the signal that hey, it's time for the, the kids to take over kind of thing, I guess. 
Um, I'll, yeah, I'll and microwave then since we don't. Years. Yeah, 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 since we don't have a mic drop, I'll just use that as the mic drop. By the way, the uh, the final, okay. the final grand slam there at the end. I already edited okay. it and put it in. So for nice. culture, more culture news because I consider sports part of culture. I've got a short story about DJ Tiesto, the first Dutch man to perform during the Super Bowl. DJ Tiesto will perform during the upcoming Super Bowl, the final of the NFL American football season, and the biggest American sporting event of the year. He will provide the music during the rest moments of the match. Thijs Verwest, as the DJ is actually called, becomes the first Dutch man to receive the honor. He is also the first DJ allowed to play during the competition. Tiesto says in response that he is honored to have been asked, Thank you to the NFL for letting me be there. I can't wait to party with you all at the big game. Organizer NFL is also happy that Verwest is coming to play. He's one of the most influential DJ producers. Tiesto is the perfect artist to give our fans, players, and viewers around the world an unforgivable experience. Sorry, unforgettable, <laughs> not unforgivable. <laughs> unforgettable experience. Unforgivable. Yeah, that... That describes a Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> anyway. About 115 million Americans worldwide and 50 million outside the U.S. watched the event. R&B singer Usher, who guessed right, right Usher from the, the 2000s and the 90s, and country singer Reba McIntyre will be performing during big halftime show this year. Artists who have performed during the halftime the match include Michael Jackson, U2, The Rolling Stones, Jennifer Lopez, Eminem, and Snoop Dogg. This time, the Super Bowl is on February 11th, so that's like in two weeks from now in Las Vegas. It's not yet clear which teams will compete against each other. That will be determined in the semifinals this weekend. Then Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens will play against each other, and so will the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers. So I think that has happened. It's Kansas City and San Francisco. Those games are over. Yeah, that's what I said. I think I'm I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere on the news that those news do. Pretty much everybody knows. Yeah, because this is from Friday. This is from Friday. (laughs) So, yeah. So I guess get ready for a weird, a a weird (laughs) Super Bowl on the 11th of February. And on to another story, our other story, which is a more serious story that happened over the weekend. This is from David Moore, Clan on your news culture. Social media platform Twitter has temporarily blocked Taylor Swift's name from being searched after AI-generated deepfake pornography images of the singer went viral last year, uh. last week. One fake picture of Swift posted on the platform was viewed 47 million times before the account was suspended. The material was shared tens of thousands of times before his Twitter security team responded. We have a zero tolerance policy for such content. Our teams are actively removing all identified images and taking appropriate actions against the accounts responsible for posting them. Now, searching for Swift's name or AI Taylor Swift on Twitter will lead users to a page that reads something went wrong. Try reloading. Twitter's head of business operation, Joe Ben Arak said in a statement per Variety, this is a temporary action and done with an abundance of caution as we prioritize safety on this issue. Meanwhile, Meta said in a statement that it strongly condemns the content that has appeared across different internet services as work to remove it. We continue to monitor our platforms for violating content and will be appropriate action as needed, the company says. Another day on the internet, but this is Swift we're talking about, so things escalated quickly. Singers Swifties mobilized by launching a counteroffensive on the platform formerly known as Twitter as protect Taylor Swift hashtag to flood it with more positive images of the pop star. And then the ante was upped. The White House got involved. That's right, the White House. Calling the incident alarming. 
White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre said via a statement, We know that the lax lax enforcement disproportionately impacts women, and they also impact girls, sadly who are the overwhelming targets. Jean-Pierre was even suggested that there should be a legalization that handles the misuse of AI on social media. If only this sort of fast reactions applied to non-billionaires, with similar complaints of defakes, abusive fake imagery, and revenge porn, and other forms of harmful, harmful online harassment. Still, take progress where you can get it, and the incident seems to have shaken things up somewhat. As a reminder, there are currently no federal laws in the U.S. against the sharing of creation of deepfake images, despite some moves at the state level to tackle the issue. Federal lawmakers who introduced the bills to more restrictions or criminalize deepfake porn have indicated the incident shows why the U.S. needs to implement better protections. For years, women have been victimized of non-consexual deepfakes, so what happened to Taylor Swift is more common than most people realize, says U.S. Representative Yvette D. Clark. A Democrat for the New York who's introduced legislation would require creators to digitally watermark deepfake content. Generative AI is helping create better deepfakes at a fraction of the cost, Clark said. U.S. Rep. Joe Morrell, another New York Democrat pushing a bill that would criminalize sharing deepfake porn online, said what happened to Swift was disturbing and has become more and more pervasive across the internet. The images may be fake, but their impacts are very real, Morrell said in a statement. Deepfakes are happening to every day to women everywhere in our increasingly digital world. It's time to put the stop to them. Yeah, uh, you could definitely be taken ransom by these images. I'm going to lose my job if my boss sees these. Well, you better give me a thousand bucks and I won't release these images. You know, that's how easy it is for these people to basically create a con, a scam, to base, to make money off of manipulating faces and bodies with artificial intelligence. It's very dangerous. Researchers have said mm. the number of explicit defects have grown in the past few years, maybe because the technology used to produce such images has become more accessible and easier to use. In 2019, a report released by the AI firm Deep Trace Labs showed these images were overwhelmingly weaponized against women. Most of the victims, it said, were Hollywood actors and South Korean K-pop singers. Oh yeah, that's even worse. Man, if you think our society doesn't like, you know, women's released sexual content or whatever. Korean, South Korea is even worse for that. Because the whole point of being a South Korean female K-pop star is that you're both sexualized and completely unsexualized. You have to be this kind of Barbie doll figure that never even looks at a boy, let alone talks to one. And then you have people basically making deep fakes of you and saying, I'm gonna release this explicit image of you. Not that K-pop singers have any money. They're, it's their, it's who owns them that makes all the money, not the singers themselves. But Brittany Spanos, a senior writer at The Rolling Stone who teaches a course on Swift at New York University, which we have talked about on the show last year. Her, her narration, oh, sorry, her literary course about Swift lyrics said that the recent Swift isn't could be a huge deal if she really does pursue it in court, which she should, I think. Spanos says the deepfake pornography issue aligns with other Swifts with others Swift has had in the past, pointing to her 2017 lawsuit against a radio station DJ who allegedly groped her. Jurors awarded Swift $1 in damages, a sum her attorney Douglas Baldred said called a single symbolic dollar, the value of which is immeasurable to all women in this situation, in the midst of the Me Too movement. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I love it. It's like, oh, I'm sorry all that bad stuff happened to you. Here's some money. It's like, no, that's, 
I'm tra I'm traumatized for the rest of my Working life. The money does not work. fix anything. So that I, I, I love those arguments from people who are like, oh, they just want to lie about getting raped or sexually assaulted so that they get money. And it's like, and that's not a thing. Money does not solve the problem. Yeah, how do you get <laughs> But that aside, um, watch out. Uh, and if somebody tries to blackmail you with deep fake images, just, I don't know, go to the police, go to somebody, and don't, don't let them get you. Because the more that the con and the scam works, the more likely people are going to do it. So you just got to try to punish them yourselves, I guess. Get a hacker friend to hack their, their, their computer and give them Trojans. I don't know. <laughs> but there's our culture news. Good luck to Swift. I hope she does sue. And I hope uh, this leads to great protections for people out there who are getting blackmailed by scumbags. This day in history. AI in general. Yeah. But just more evidence. Just more evidence to support my overriding theory that humans are failing. And the, of course, a lot of the news that we get is the Earth and the universe telling humans that we don't like you. Go away. <laughs> so, <laughs> unfortunately for us, there's a lot of humans that are causing us to fail as an experiment on this planet. <laughs> and this is one, just another thing. We gotta generate fake images because our lives are empty. I have no idea why. I mean, who gets anything from that? I have no idea. What do I they mean, get? I'll be honest with you. Uh, my solution to this problem is just demystifying sex. The problem with being able to blackmail people with deep fake we'll images story. is that, you know, if you don't care about yeah, these things, nobody would care. Right. But because we care about, oh God, Taylor Swift naked, it's a problem. Well, that has existed for years. Like, you just yeah. put somebody's face on somebody else's body. That's yeah. the simplest old, that's, a, that's old as the internet. This day in history, 1819 on this day, British East India Company Administrator Sir Stamford Raffles established the Port of Singapore. Well, good for you. Raffles. His name is Raffles. <laughs> in 1845, American author Edgar Allan Poe, the American author Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven was first published. Nevermore, quote the Raven. Appearing in the... Or is it quote the Raven Nevermore? Appearing in New York Mirror, a melancholy evocation of lost love became one of the best known poems in American literature. In 1860, Russian author Anton Chekhov was born. He wrote, uh, he was known for his plays and short stories, which often lack complex plots and neat solutions, like the Cherry Archer. 1880, American actor and comedian W.C. Fields was born in Philadelphia. In 1886, German mechanical engineer Carl Benz patented the first practical automobile powered by an internal combustion engine. Yes, that's the same guy from Mercedes-Benz. 1990, the American League of Professional Baseball Clubs is organized in Philadelphia. Still the American League, except it's not they don't have a team in Philadelphia anymore. That team is now, I think, in Las Vegas. Because they went to the Kansas City, to Oakland, and last year was their last year in Oakland. Oh, really? I, I wow. think they're Las Vegas A's. Yeah. 
Yeah, because Oakland wouldn't build them a stadium, and the stadium there is like 7,000 years old. Yeah. 1919 on this day, Prohibition Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified and went into effect the following year. One of the biggest mistakes ever. 1924, the first machine for rolling ice cream cones was patented by Carl Rutherford Taylor of Cleveland. So yeah, ice cream cone. You can put 1936. Ice cream in it too. Huh? You can put ice cream in it and eat it as well. Ice cream cones. Well, it was a machine that cone. rolled it out that made yeah. mass-produced ice cream cones. <laughs> so you weren't sitting there with your ice cream melting, <laughs> waiting for a cone to get made. 1936, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb were among the first players to be elected in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. 1936, Babe Ruth is already in the Hall of Fame? Man, he must have just retired five minutes before that. Wow. <laughs> he wasn't retired for long. 1964, the British film Dr. Strangelove, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, a landmark Cold War farce directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring Peter Sellers, as several people, was released in theaters. I did the Peter Sellers part because I remember it was like, that was the one that established Peter Sellers as a great actor and not just a comedian. 1966, Brazilian football soccer player Romario, who is the most popular prolific goal scorers in sports history, is born in Rio de Janeiro. In 2004, author Janet Frame, who created a unique body of work that represent, presents perhaps the most recognized voice in New Zealand, to those outside of her native country, died at the age of 79. 2015, Australian novelist Colleen McCullough, best known for her sweeping romance, the Thornbirds, and for the Masters of Rome series, died at the age of 77. So this was a day that authors were dying, uh, January 29th. Separate years, of course. Featured event this day, Iraq, Iran, and North Korea called the Axis of Evil. Oh yeah, they're all, they're all in coots together. On this day, 2002, U.S. President George W. Bush delivered a State of the Union address describing Iraq, Iran, and North Korea's axis of evil for the attempts to develop nuclear, chemical, and biological weaponry. Of course, we do all that stuff, too, and we're perfectly fine. <clears throat> anyway, Oprah Winfrey is our feature biography, born on January 29th, 1954. So, happy 69th birthday. Uh... Encyclopedia Britannica cannot do math. It says January 9th, 1954, and it says age 69. Let me do a quick... 54... Blah, blah. Appears to be 70 today, Britannica. You can't do math. And she was born on this day, 1954, which is 70 years ago, not 69, Britannica. Doesn't know what year it is. Anyway, I'm going to go on for this until somebody pays attention. She was born in Kosciuszko, Mississippi. Kosciuszko, that's what it looks like. Other birthdays today, William McKinley, former president of the United States. Jermaine Greer, Australian writer. And Paul Ryan, speaker, former speaker of the house, an American politician, was born this day in 1970. And what day is it? It is...
National Corn Chip Day. <laughs> National Corn Chip Day, National Puzzle Day, and National Bubble Wrap Day. Those are the three days it is Hell today. Yeah. Get out there and pop that bubble wrap. And happy 69th slash 70th birthday to Oprah. Yeah, wow. I just don't know why. At least I'm not getting the year wrong, but a big company like Encyclopedia Britannica thinks that 1954 was 69 years ago. <laughs> I know it was 70, but again, they're smarter than me, so. Calculator just didn't work this time, I guess. It actually says in parentheses, 1954, and it says 69 years, and I'm like, isn't it 2024? Anyway, <laughs> that's for today's day in history for January 29th, 2024, on Before Coffee. And this has been Allison here from the Netherlands, who I guess is, go support your local DJ, DJ at the NFL uh, Super Bowl, I guess. I don't know. And we will see you tomorrow for Good News Tuesday or Good Twos News Day, where we're going to talk all about the good stuff happening and not about sexual assault. Here is your mic drop moment. Sinner's signature shot brings up championship point. and notify buttons and follow other channels Toxic Alley, History of Gravy and Scratchy Old Records <laughs>